May I turn your attention to Iceberg, the mascot of the Pittsburgh Penguins? <laughs> sure. I, did, I didn't know that was the name of their mascot. It is. Or are you more of a Mickey Moose fan? Which seems kind of like a huge copyright issue, given how litigious the Walt Disney Company is. But Who, Whose mascot is that? Uh, Mickey Moose is the mascot of the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, okay. Uh, apparently they have an affiliate in the AHL, whatever that is. The American uh, Hockey League, yeah. Which is the Manitoba Moose. Hmm. So yes, you sent me, I forget why, where this, why or how this popped up, but I got kind of stuck uh, late last week and I put it down in a thing to, to revisit. Where I got stuck on NHL mascots because I had no idea these were actually a thing. Well, I know everybody has a mascot, but it seems like the NHL has um, far more ridiculous ones. One can make an argument that mascots across all sports are a bit ridiculous, but I, I see your point. I, I think Lucille is... Is it Lucille or am I thinking of Rest Development? No, it is It is Lucille, right? It, it, it is Giants. Lucille. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Lucille is a little ridiculous. Yeah, Lucille. And I, lo and I love, and no, I love he, Lucille. He's, he's definitely not. He's very fitting. At the giant race, he comes and gives you a high five. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, but Iceberg is brilliant that's a that's a fantastic name because it's spelled i-c-e-b-u-r-g-h like pittsburgh which is which is yeah, fantastic but we, but we hate the penguins so we, who, we can't you can't associate with the who's penguins. we just everybody in the bay area yeah but the bay area is a soulless sports town nobody no come on now eh. what i'm referencing is the the penguins beat the sharks in the in the stanley cup finals two years ago are they in the same conference or do they do they do they well no they're they're in different conferences that's why they met in the finals checks out <laughs> um so yeah so this, this is this is pretty good um and uh there's somebody uh, there's also harvey the hound which is the mascot of the calgary flames and if you look him up on google uh it, it he's terrifying <laughs> so if yeah well, like do you remember um when the so part of when balmer bought the clippers like uh -huh. rebranding re the team was a big thing. You know, they they came out with a new logo. They came up with new uniforms. They kind of redid the way that they changed over Staples Center from Laker games to Clipper games. Like one of the like petty things they did was they covered up the Laker championship banners with like, I think originally it was just like a black cloth, but I think now they cover it with like pictures of the team or something. Um, but then another thing that happened was they got a mascot and I, I don't know if they didn't have one before or if they just got a new one um but what made me think of it was at least the initial iteration of it i think it's been somewhat revised since but the initial mascot was absolutely terrifying chuck the condor chuck the condor yeah wait is that not it anymore it is but i i think they've slightly modified particularly like his face and his beak where he's just not, he's not quite so Innocent. Um, right. <laughs> he's wearing red Chuck Taylors, which I enjoy. <laughs> and he has knee pads. This is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so that, that, is, is two, one, three, the area code for LA. I'm not sure. If so, that's pretty good. Hmm. Oh, is that, Oh, that's on his Jersey. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is, this is very on brand, uh, Steve. Hmm. Um, well, so, and the, but there's a bit of a branding issue here that I'm seeing where, so in just doing a, a quick little Google search to find something to drop in the notes here, 
his Twitter account is Chuck the Condor. Mm -hmm. But then if you go to the LA Clippers official website, he's just Chuck. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I don't know, I don't know whether to refer to him as Chuck or whether to refer to him as Chuck the Condor. Well, Chuck the Condor is his legal name. (laughs) Okay. But I mean, well, I guess, and I guess like on our show where we're on a first name basis with everybody, we would just refer to him as Chuck. Um, Yeah, our esteemed colleague Chuck, yeah. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, mm-hmm. friend, friend of the pod, as you would say. No, <laughs> Hugo the Hornet. That's a terrible name. Who's that? Uh, the Charlotteville or the Charlotte Hornets are Hugo the Hornet, hmm. which is a blue bumblebee that looks like he might be wearing sunglasses. Clutch, clutch the bear. Th- these are terrible. Well, yeah, you're, you see, you're burying the lead here, which is is the best mascot, S.J. Sharkey, which is what started this whole. Offline, online, off-air, pre-show conversation. What does the SJ stand for? San Jose. Well, yeah, but that wouldn't be his name. Yeah, but that's it's like Chuck the Condor. It's it's Sharky is his like that's his informal name, but his full legal name is SJ Sharky. Okay, well, hold hold on. Like three things here. One missed opportunity for Balmer. If you have the Clippers and you are Microsoft, or that's your where you spent 15 years of your life. How the is Windows Clippy? Logo? No, no. How is Clippy not oh. the... Oh. I guarantee oh, I'm not the first person to make that joke or that observation. But how is Clippy not the mascot? So you might not be, but I, I've read and listened to a lot of things about the post-Balmer Clippers because I just, I just think it's interesting. And I've, I've never heard anyone make that joke. So again, you might not be the first one, but, but props. That's, that's pretty good. Um, no, so I'm going to put something in the thing. Where apparently there's a, there's a change.org petition for Make Clippy the Clippers logo. So I guarantee I didn't Google it, so it was an organic thought, but apparently I'm not the first person to have it. But unfortunately, only 18 people supported it, which is kind of a shame. Hmm. Yeah, change you can believe in. Um, <laughs> I already forgot the other two things. Um, what were you talking about? Oh yeah, the the Sharky thing. See, so he's got a he's got a mohawk. I don't. I'm, I'm not down with that. I don't. I don't get that. Why? What? What about San Jose or ice hockey, as opposed to the other kinds of hockey, makes a mohawk relevant? Uh, it's just it's cool, man. Is it? You're just not. You're just not getting it. Sporty the dog has a mohawk, and that's kind of cool. But this mm-hmm. this Sharky dude, who apparently rides in on an ATV. Uh, all the time. Well, he, ha- he has he has different entrances for each game. Well, also in the online, offline, off the air conversation we had afterward, because again, I, doing actual work is not something I do. Apparently, I was googling SJ Sharkey, Mister Senior SJ Sharkey, and apparently in 2011 or something, he got stuck in the roof of the HP Pavilion when he was trying to repel from the rafters and was stuck there for 15 minutes. And that's a fantastic video. <laughs> Yeah, they, um, I think, yeah, this is a game against the Red Wings, and the Sharks played the Red Wings a, a week or two ago at home, um, and I, I recall them uh, making, <laughs> making a reference to this uh, incident. Yeah. Isn't it, so this is from March 12th, 1999. Mm-hmm. Does it ever make you feel weird that videos from the, like, the late 90s and even like early 2000s look like they may as well be from like the mid-70s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything's a standard def nothing's in it's four by three uh-huh and everything everything on youtube that i ever look up this from my childhood is all like has like the track lines from vhs tape <laughs> right <laughs> and it really makes me sad all the time you know, it was one of the most upsetting things that would happen as a kid where you would go to record something 
um, from TV. And, and we, we were serious about this growing up. We actually had a TV in the garage, which like my dad did a lot of work in the garage, just on hobby kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, and so he would use the TV out there when he was doing that. But like another main function of that TV was it had a VCR hooked up to it and it would become like our dedicated like recording machine where if we wanted to watch something in the house live, we could have this other TV and VCR in the garage record something else. And something that would be really sad is when you would go to record something only to realize that you had recorded over something else on that same cassette. And then there, and there was obviously no way to undo that. Or you had accidentally recorded in SP, which meant it took up half the videotape. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember that. You remember there were different speeds you could record at. Like if you had a videotape, you could record two hours if it was an SP mode and it had higher video quality. But if you recorded an EP, you got a full six hours. No, I don't. I don't remember that. I, I remember more so about. Um, we also eventually got this external uh, rewinder device. Which was it a race rew- car? It was a race car. Yeah, of course it and was. it and it, it would rewind tapes much more quickly than um, uh, if you kept them in the VCR. Well, yeah, because you had to be um, kind. It, that's be kind rewind, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that actually, I remember too. Like when DVDs came out. Like the, I didn't appreciate higher video quality back then, like I do now. But and and so as a result of that, the thing that really stood out to me about DVDs wasn't the increased video quality; it was the ability to instantly get to any point in the movie, and when you were done with the movie, not having to rewind like that. That just seemed like complete science fiction. Well, except for the fact that the movie studios on like half the movies you'd rent would. Um make it so that you couldn't skip the trailers or they've like disabled the menu button. Yeah. That is that that is a nice thing now about um I was reminded of this when I bought Coco recently. It was that was the first movie on disc I've bought in a little while, but it but it reminded me of something I've noticed before, which is movie studios have really like not only have they kind of eliminated the inability to skip anything before you get to the main menu of a of a disc, but they Typically, there isn't anything at all. Like when you when you put a disc in, you just basically get to the menu and you're good to go. Good, which is probably actually like mostly just out of like cost <laughs> cutting. I I presume, but it ends up being a better experience. Yeah, DVD extras aren't really a thing anymore, are they? No, extras definitely still are, but it's just like trailers and other sort of like content that you have to watch or skip to get to the main menu that's that's the stuff that i just don't really see much of anymore mm-hmm. um also in your new house are you gonna put like does is the equivalent of that childhood memory gonna be that you're gonna put like a backup tivo in the garage <laughs> maybe yeah um yeah i I, hmm. I i wonder a little bit about that like <laughs> we i think we're, like we're old enough now where i think we've established like what are you know like kind of um make make us sound old things are like Mm -hmm. talking about vcrs and cassettes and uh dial-up internet like that kind of stuff like i wonder what that's going to be like for the this next generation Eh, using a non-retina 3gs (laughs) to to play flight control or something while mom was shopping i think i i wonder about that um yeah Crunch the Wolf. Are the Timberwolves still a team? Yeah, they are. Yeah, the the Minnesota NBA team. Which is the one that Jason Kidd plays on that Ben Thompson's always so mad at. 
well, uh, no, he was the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and Ben Thompson did not at all like him as coach because he just really wasn't a great coach. And, but he was he was fired earlier this season. Got it. What did Ben go the buck to the firing? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. All right, we're gonna close. I, this I like that uh, mascots have kind of become your uh, like your corner or your pet project. I don't really know exactly what to describe it as, but I, I, I like that. Wait, what, when when have I talked about this in the past? I don't know. It's it's a recent development. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that. Right, should we? Should we want to go ahead and start the show? I think so. Yeah. Okay. All Mickey right. Moose. <laughs> that, that's that's like asking for a lawsuit okay if, if, right. if it was if it was the nhl disney would probably come knocking I it think is the, the nhl a, in, well it's it's the ahl right didn't you say it was their it was their american hockey league affiliate team mascot no no uh the winnipeg jets are a professional ice hockey team based in winnipeg manitoba canada uh they are members of the central division of the western conference of the nhl oh and, and, it, and that's their mascot yes yeah, well, they're well, they're in Canada. Disney, I don't think Disney can get up there. I think they can. I think mice <laughs> can climb pretty well. Well, no, that that would just be that would be on the southern border. They would have to climb. Oh yes, hashtag build that wall. Mm-hmm. Hashtag yeah. however you say that in French. Which 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 they you know of course they made sure to get into uh, this upcoming um, omnibus bill. Mm. Uh, hold on. Uh, apparently, uh, construire ce mur is how you say build that wall in French. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, let's get into actual stuff. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, let's, we'll ease into this. Okay. Spotify begins trading on April 3rd, apparently. They do. Mm-hmm. You put that, you put that in here, so. I did. Well, so they're, they're doing the non-traditional IPO route where this is not being backed by any sort of banks or other institutional investors. Um, in fact, they didn't do a, a, tr- a traditional roadshow. They literally just had like a big investor day, which everyone could live stream. And the shares are just going to be put out there. And the, the the price will be the price. It's not really being underwritten by anybody. So it's um, going to be interesting to see where where that goes both in the, the short term and, you know, over the, the next you know year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have some updates on about Apple Pay at Safeway. So I do. So I, I, you know, I mentioned when I first saw it. This was a month or two ago. The the local Safeway here actually had a little sign over the um, pin pad saying, "Hey, we now accept Apple Pay." And I noticed like a week later that those signs were just completely gone. And I thought, like, geez, did they take did they take Apple Pay away already? Um, but I tested it, and you know, sure enough, it just worked. Um, and that had reminded me that like when you, when you and I were doing the show and I brought it up, I was searching around for some links and we had found some article indicating that this had actually rolled out, um, pretty widely, like at the end of last year. Um, and then sure enough, I was on a, a longer drive a couple of weekends ago, coming back from Tahoe and we stopped at a, at a safe way and I went to use Apple pay there and it, it worked there as well. So like evidently like Safeway just now accepts Apple pay like pretty broadly and it just it feels it feels like they just kind of like went under the radar yeah i wish that was true or or at least it hasn't reached us have you have you tested it near you i have tested it at three safe ways in the past month and it doesn't work that's that's crazy yeah because the 
the Safeway that I went to coming back from Tahoe was um, kind of like in a smaller town. And I I thought it was kind of 50-50 whether it would work because it was literally the only other Safeway I've ever tried it out other than the, the local one here. And it did. So yeah, I it's it's strange. And I, I would think that a big company like Safeway is on some kind of like standard payment system that that like some person in their corporate office is like very much, you know, in charge of across all of their stores. So it mm-hmm. it surprises me that different stores would have different uh levels of payment support. Yeah. Weird. It's kind of a bummer. Might be a con about moving here, but it's all right. <laughs> we'll get it eventually. Yeah, maybe 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 I'll reconsider. Yeah, I'm sure the South Bay is up on tech. Living live in Berlin game. Yeah, there you go. Easy access to the airport. True. Um, apparently there's some updates with Intel on the, uh, Spectre and Meltdown patches. Um, I believe they're releasing their first generation of processors that have, uh, like the actual hardware bug itself fixed, but apparently they're fixing the, um, uh, the software patches that were so problematic, especially in windows environments. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the news here is that I think. It's been acknowledged since this was first found that the the true fix here is actually going to have to come from hardware and that there's been software fixes, but that they're not really ideal. And so, um, yeah, this this is sort of the first truly fixed processor that Intel is going to be putting out. Yeah. Um, and then this one is not really follow-up, but it's kind of follow-up just from the past decade and it's something I've wanted to bring up. I have a question. Was Mad Men actually a good TV show? I think so. Or am I misremembering? Was it a very lopsided TV show? Like it, it feels, and, and this, this, I bring this up because I've been uh, reticent to commit to a new TV show. So therefore I've been watching a lot of the office on Netflix, which is a TV show that um, maybe I just like at, at a younger age, it worked a lot better, but that was for the most part, not a very good show. It had certain episodes that were very good, but a lot of it, was not really that funny and in later seasons it was very 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 bad but mad men now that i'm thinking of it because like people there was a thing on twitter that was going on a couple weeks ago where people were like oh the the best tv show or like w- like what is that actually and mad men seems like it had some really good parts over it's like eight seasons but some parts that weren't really so good um mad men got a little hurt because there was kind of this um perpetual drama that was happening outside the show where um because it was a matt weiner is is that is that the the guy's name who created it and wrote it yeah like him him and amc were always kind of having some sort of argument like just remember there'd be like 18 month stretches between seasons sometimes so that, that that show was it was a little uneven but um, I mean, obviously, I haven't gone back and watched it a second time, but but in the moment, it was a very very compelling show for me. Hmm. And I I really I really liked it. It felt like kind of um, like one of my first sort of adult shows, if that makes sense. Like it very it much is like a show that even like a couple of years earlier. I probably just really wouldn't have been into. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to frame it. But I also think that kind of gives it kind of like a latitude where it, for sometimes it just wasn't that interesting. Like I just remember whole like sections of seasons that kind of didn't really go anywhere. 
or weren't really anything other than just being like, oh, this is this is the the sixties. Well, I mean, it's it's the you know quintessential example of a show that you have to be interested in and care about the characters because the there's not in the story like some stuff happens like there are there are moments which are usually historical moments that that happen in the show that are interesting but by and large kind of the the overriding plot and kind of like the you know mid-season episodes of each season like there's yeah there's not there's not it's not like episodes are ending on a cliffhanger or something well sure but a lot of them didn't even have that much character development or anything really going on it's probably worth a rewatch yeah, that's at some point the the lady friend hasn't seen that, so maybe ooh, yeah, maybe at all. Can... No, uh-uh. Inter- ooh, okay, that's interesting. That, that, might, that might be a show that she would like. Yeah, yeah, that's hard to say. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's a show. Just the final thought, like it, it's a show that's not for everybody. Which you could probably say about the overwhelming majority of shows, but I, I think that in particular, like. I would I would never judge anyone for not liking that show. Yeah. Um this is mostly for you. Uh Westworld is coming back. It is. Yeah. And I if I remember correctly, you very, very much liked that show. I did. I I thought I thought that was one of the I, I have no idea like where season two is gonna go, and I I'm I'm actually somewhat skeptical of, of where they can take it, but I thought season one was one of the best seasons of TV I've ever seen start to finish. Like I thought the way that it was developed early on, it has, and this is not really a spoiler. It has a big twist kind of in the middle of the season. And then the way that it kind of builds on from that and then ultimately wraps itself up is so well done. The The season finale or really like the last couple of episodes of, of the season are just tremendous because they're great on their own but then you have this moment where you realize like oh, okay this is what this has all been building towards and i i thought it was really neat cool and that you, you kept it sufficiently vague <laughs> yeah uh, but definitely a, another great example of a show where if someone's like yeah i'm not really that's not really my thing i'd be like yeah that, that makes sense like i'm you know it's at times it's horrifically violent it has gratuitous amounts of sex like it's it's not you know it's not an and nudity too my god <laughs> hbo mm-hmm. hbo really push, pushes the boundaries there with that one um so i so i would not i would not judge anyone for for not not being into that show but the the story is is fascinating uh, well if they could edit out all the uh all the uh, TVMA junk, it could be a half hour show and that would be, that would save everybody a lot of time. There wouldn't be much show left. Yeah, that'd, that'd be fine by me. All right. Main, uh, main agenda. Let's do it. Okay. This is either going to be a very interesting or a very not good show because we have a couple of meteor topics in here. So that's kind of, that's kind of every week on this show eh, though. So sometimes we have, we have winners. Okay. It, it, well, I mean, you, they're the ones with the star on them, right? It's not a star; it's a checkbox. Uh, okay, that that seems a little. I don't know. I like a star seems a little more appropriate there. Well, no, it, it's a database. Eventually, I have to put you on the air table. Okay, they should. Yeah. Um, Say, so is it was that a was that a transition? No, no. That's that's there are two kind of bigger topics. This, this okay. is this has been kind of a shit week. Um, 
<laughs> um, yeah, that's you could say that about a lot of weeks. This, but this has been what like on all no, not on all sides, like just all around. It's it's yeah. Okay, do you want to? Isn't it isn't it crappy how many phrases you can no longer use now because of him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything about that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff where yeah. Also, the one thing I did really appreciate on this week's five thirty eight. Um, was when they brought up the fact that it's almost entirely clear that he didn't write the tweet about um the Mueller thing that happened on Monday. In, because like in, in so in so much as or whatever. No, said. it was uh like it was like the phrase like in that witch or something like he's like, it's like like the sentence construction is way beyond him. There's no chance in hell he wrote that. Right. I very much appreciate it. And then well, then and then you get the you get the opposite end of the spectrum where he had written something about Mueller today and had misspelled council a bunch of times and like ended up there you go tweet that's it that that that's the guy Mm -hmm. witch hunt all caps Mm -hmm. and it's like the the way that he capitalizes words is just hmm and so it's so strange um uh hold on actually no i have twitter blocked right now i'm gonna leave it blocked that's actually the best (laughs) no i don't i don't need to clarify that Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, it's gonna be dealer's choice in, in that you are the dealer. You get to choose if we either tackle the Uber thing or Facebook first. Let's let's do the Uber thing. Okay. So this happened on Monday or Sunday. Uh, one of the two. Early, earlier this week. <laughs> okay. So I, I believe on Monday, uh, on Monday night, uh, in the uh, in Tempe, Arizona, where is one of the locations um, that Uber. Real, real, real- Real-time follow-up, yeah, Monday. Okay. Uh, no, news travels, or like news develops very quickly, and it feels mm-hmm. like like time goes on longer. But right. yeah, so in Tempe, Arizona, one of the four cities that Uber is trialing its uh, fully autonomous uh, cars, uh, there was a fatal accident or f- fatal crash um, that involved somebody walking their bike uh, across the street, not in a crosswalk um, at night. And uh, that was the first fatality related to a uh, autonomous vehicle in the United States. So, um, it's 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 a sad and also very tricky story in a number of ways because one, um, Uber, the company, which as people who have listened to this show in any in any form know that I'm by far the biggest fan of. Oh, far from the biggest fan. <laughs> Clarify that. Um, uh, they carry a lot of baggage for a lot of reasons. They have a ton of culture problems, and there's a whole lot of a lot of issues going on there. Um, also, I think Americans or like is probably fairly skeptical of self-driving technology, um, and also the media is generally woefully unequipped or ill-equipped to properly record a report on technology issues uh especially ones like this that um have a lot of like emotional baggage attached to them so i i think this is a supremely interesting uh story and kind of inflection point for um uh the autonomous driving push so i when the news first broke and i i had said this to you offline I, I was really concerned that the media was not going to cover this story in a responsible way. And I, th- I thought there would be a lot of 
ill-advised connections to others' Uber problems, which are mostly cultural and, while very important, don't really have much to do with what happened here. And then, of course, there's there's the other issue, which is, you know, driving with humans in control is dramatically less safe, at least so far, than um self-driving vehicles and there's no reason to think that that's not going to continue to be the case going forward and it it seems to me based on most of what i've read that that those points have actually that 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 the worst case there hasn't happened there hasn't been a lot of connections to uber's other problems there hasn't been a lot of mass hysteria about we need to just completely destroy all autonomous vehicles and and quit this initiative um the, the the response has been better than I than I thought it was going to be. I think I might be reading like too much T word news, but I think for the most part that is actually true. Um, there's been some outliers uh, which have done a disservice to kind of um, responsible reporting, but but for the most part, no, you are right. Where it hasn't been as bad as it could be. Um. And not that it's the media's job to come to the defense of this. I feel like there's a lot of places where it is maybe the media's job to add perspective and context. Um, well, actually, let, let, let's let's start there. Do you, to what degree do you feel that autonomous vehicles have to be safer than um, human piloted automobiles uh, for it to be a worthwhile endeavor? I don't think I'm going to be able to like come up with a number for you here, but I mean, significantly safer. Yeah, because that's the part that's troubling to me. Because like in a lot of stories, so I I pulled up a few statistics. And I'm not going to read off a whole bunch of stuff, but real quick. So in in 2015, there were 5,376 pedestrians killed in traffic crashes. So I I don't know how. Like, how does Uber or or Google or Waymo or any of these people properly contextualize the fact that, like, some things like this will probably eventually happen? Just when you think about the millions of miles that will eventually be driven, the number of factors that are outside of the immediate control of, like, the, the software and the vehicle in front of it. Because it's not like a human being that is the one at fault, which could be claimed as like an accident, whereas like this is a machine that is on the road because of a corporation. Like I, I've, I'm curious as to how it ever gets phrased or framed that some amount of human life loss will ultimately be part of it. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's really difficult and that that was what was driving a lot of my concern about how this would be covered. But I think because of the 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 current driving statistics, I think that's something that people are very aware of and and unfortunately many people have been personally touched by. And I I just I think that, that that's a that's a large enough number and it's a big enough of an issue where it it does break through the general social consciousness that a significant fewer amount of uh car related deaths is 
is a good thing. And it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be a huge improvement. And it that's actually been like going back to sort of our broader discussion, which has been ongoing about the evolution of autonomous driving and, and really specifically the speed at which it's going to be adopted. Like I've I've been very skeptical of that. Um and and most of that was sort of around concerns around government over regulation, but then also another big piece is what you touched at earlier, which is sort of people's kind of inherent mistrust of of technology. But I, I've I think I've been generally surprised that 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 just neither of those has really been the case. Like the the this has actually been like one of those rare bipartisan things that like both parties agree on that on autonomous driving is something that we should pursue and support. And there does there seems to be like a, a pretty good amount of support from the the general public as well. So like I can't I can't really say like exactly why that's been happening, but. I don't know. In my in my observation, that has been the case. So I, th- I think because of that foundation, stories like this actually are learned, and people go, "Yeah, okay, this is part of the process." Hmm. Which is which is again very surprising to me. But I, I it it does seem like, and, and I don't know. Maybe maybe another component of this too is that, like, automated transportation is something that we're already used to i mean you know by and large planes mostly fly themselves now you know systems like bart are almost exclusively computer operated i think so are most train systems so i don't know maybe this is just something that again we're kind of already used to as a society to what degree do you think uber has the ability to well a couple is multiple questions how long do you think uber should pause these trials and how long do you think they will i think they need to figure out what happened here i mean i I, one of the things that came out today was the actual uh dash footage um which it's it's cut off before the moment of impact but it's 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 i i I watched it and it's it's tough to watch um but i mean one, one of the the takeaways from the video and this, this, there was a little bit of, I think some confusion around, there were some initial statements put out by the local police indicating that there wasn't any um, reason to believe that there was fault involved here and that the pedestrian was crossing the street and that there really was no opportunity uh, to, to avoid the situation, whether it was a computer driving or even like a human driving, it, it was kind of a situation where there just wasn't much that could be done. The video video tells a little bit of a different story where it it does kind of seem like and it, this is all preliminary and we're going to continue to learn more but it does seem like maybe there was an opportunity to at least make an attempt at avoiding the the crash and so I I, I so I think I think Uber needs to figure that out. So I mean I I I watched the video as well and I'm actually not so sure that it's so a couple things strike me about the, about that is which is the the person walking their bike across the street seems to be unfazed or like not even acknowledge that a car is coming right which is which is strange but I I don't know it seemed cuz the the video was also slowed down wasn't it 
The version that I watched, I think, was in real time. I mean, based off the le- like, I'm I'm not an expert, but it it does seem like there was very little time to react, and I, I, I th- in terms of like the lighting and how things appeared from the human eye. But I think the other um, thing is the whole point is like the lidar sensors and stuff should be regardless of um, uh, light conditions and stuff. Like it's it's using 3D sensors and stuff to to figure stuff out to do things more proactively. So like they they do need to figure that out, but. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know how long it should, like the testing and program should stay offline. I, I think, I think what needs to be looked at is because I, I actually, I think even with lidar and the other technologies that are being used, it, I think there could be a conclusion that listen, this is just a situation where there's just nothing a computer or a human could have done. It was, it happened in a flash. It's unexpected behavior. And there just really isn't anything to do to avoid it. But I could also see a different answer where, I don't know, maybe something wasn't calibrated correctly or pointed at exactly the right angle. And there's some adjustment that could have been made where something like this could have potentially been avoided. And I think that's what needs to be determined. And again, I'm not suggesting the answer is one or the other, but I think before Uber continues to program, that's what they need to, that's what they need to identify. And of course, you know, I think the other, you know, the other problematic part about the video is at least the version that I watched showed, you know, the the front facing camera, and then there was another camera facing towards the driver. Um, and unfortunately, it, it it seems like the driver was distracted by something in the car, which I, I presume was their cell phone or or something. Um, and of course, you know, there there's a reason why we mandate that there's still a human behind the wheel, even with autonomous vehicles, uh, because we know that these systems are early and that they need to be tested and vetted. And, you know, that, that additional layer of oversight clearly wasn't happening. Now, again, just like when referring to the systems, I'm not suggesting that this driver could have done anything. It's, I would, I would totally accept the answer that even if the driver were laser focused, had both hands on the wheel and was ready to take over at a moment's notice that there was still nothing that they could have done. I, I think that's totally possible. But given what we see in the video, we can't even we can't determine that because that that wasn't the situation there, and the the, the driver was was distracted. So a couple things with that. Well, one they they can't have their their hands on the wheel because in, because the car is steering for itself. But but I I get your point where it should have been paying more attention. But also. It's it's nighttime, uh, the and I assume the car alerts them to like I, I, my thought of why the um, the human driver is there is that when systems are unsure of what to do or there's some type of systems failure that it takes over manual driving and not necessarily that it is a half second away from taking manual control over at any time. Or that it's supposed to be like monitoring out the front, but like I think for something that happens in a half second in front of you, um, at night on a on a long wide road, I like I, I, I think that criticism is is problematic. Um, yeah, I I think the human part of it is mainly so that the car like you don't just have this three ton thing rolling down the road that just has no, uh, like safety switch. In case something goes completely off the rails, 
but yeah. Um, so do you think this is a major setback for autonomous driving as a whole, or do you think it's just, um, something that was bound to happen and, and it was kind of factored into the timetables anyway? I think, I think the latter. And, and, I, and I feel that way because again, I, at least so far, I, <clears throat> I feel like the reaction to the story has been appropriately measured where it's a, it's a serious thing that happened. It needs to be heavily investigated and understood and the information that's taken from that investigation needs to be brought back into these systems and and make them better where possible um but again at least from what i've seen there hasn't been mass hysteria or overreactions to this so i i I think it's been i think it's been I, i don't want to use any sort of positive adjective here because it's a hugely sad story but i think it's been it it can be used as a learning moment and part of the process of making these systems better which ultimately i i think will save you know countless lives yeah overall autonomous vehicles are for the best and i think probably even their current form it is a dramatic improvement on distracted drivers and distracted pedestrians and all the things that uh, make the roads unsafe and, and so many other reasons. So I can, I hope it continues to be reported in a sensible manner and that, that this doesn't go sideways. Cause if it does, this, this has the opportunity to be something that as a net result for society ends up put like pushing us backwards. If, uh, if somehow either Uber loses control of the message or, um, somehow because I, I i probably it's it's my fault for ever reading twitter replies on things but like oh just, yeah don't 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 do that on on some of the stories i have especially there was that one link that you sent me to like there was somebody describing what the intersection looked like and the, and that person was making a fairly reasoned uh argument but i unfortunately read the replies and, and there, were, there was a lot of dumb stuff in there mm-hmm. but yeah but i worry that um if anybody if somehow there ends up being like a narrative spun that uber or waymo or anybody like that has relationships with the police or government are somehow like trying to be anything less than forthcoming or cooperative or any of that kind of stuff where it somehow feels like this doesn't get the attention or um due process or like proper evaluation that it needs i i i worry that something goes sideways where this ends up being uh, a far bigger um uh something that delays this more than it needs to. Right. But interesting. Yeah. Interesting nonetheless. All right. Uh, Facebook, or do you want to do a uh, less serious topic for a minute? No, let's stay on the serious note while we're, while we're there and and get the, the Cambridge Analytica stuff out of the way. Yeah. So it's a big, big uh, thank you to the daily for explaining as as something on this morning's episode. Uh, that I still I had read plenty about, but mm-hmm. still didn't quite understand. Yes, mm-hmm. the, not the daily man. It, it it explains things and provides additional context and reports things in a way that is so in so many cases is so much more impactful and and easy to understand. It's 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 fantastic. It, this this is a complete sidebar. I maybe there's just an inherent overlap between these two skill sets, but I'm wildly impressed that. It seems like every New York Times writer 
is also an incredible speaker. And I and I'm I'm sure there's scripts and, and a lot of preparation that goes into the daily, but nonetheless, almost all the reporters they have on are, are incredibly well spoken and do a great job of succinctly summarizing their their written stories. Which again, like I I wouldn't take that for granted that that's just something that someone who's a writer could do. But like, yeah, anyway, they, they can sing, they can act, they can do it all, <laughs> right? Um. Yeah, no, that that is a very good thing, or that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, where they, they have so it's not just like the same four reporters they keep having on. Like everybody is able to, yeah, clearly articulate their ideas. Um, and yeah, it's 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 very good. But yeah, so basically, there is an uh, Facebook for a few for ever since I think 2012. They've been having this thing where they've had the developers conference and they've done uh, a lot of work to create the social graph, which allows develop app developers to feed data in and out of um, Facebook, which goes beyond just the, like, here's my status update and stuff like that. And apparently there's a company um, called that was formed called Cambridge Analytica that, um, like, they did it under the guise of, like, some just, like, what, what was it? I just, like, academic research. Yeah. So, like, it was a quiz, but also it was app-based, which also meant that by doing that and logging into Facebook... I don't know if you've ever, um, because some apps will only let you log in with Facebook rather than just signing up for a regular account. Right. And then Facebook, to its credit, sort of has a thing that says, like, here's the data that they're getting. And sometimes, like, it's a comically a large amount of things. But apparently, that was the the loophole that um, Cambridge Analytica's harvesting effort was doing, which is that it gains access to all your likes, your personal information, your demographics, your friends list, and a whole bunch of other stuff that based off of, I think it was like, and people can... Don't take the facts literally here. Go read the New York Times story. But like 50,000 respondents or something like that ended up yielding data on almost 50 million people right. through these social connections. Um, and it's a very a very sleazy trick and a whole lot of other stuff. But the whole point that uh, Cambridge Analytica was doing this for was that they felt that based off of likes and relationships and all that kind of stuff, that they could accurately predict a ton of things about people uh, in terms of uh, gender, age, uh, sexual identity, um, likes, political party, and kind of like a whole bunch of other things, which allowed them to create extremely targeted ad products. Um, I don't know if that was specifically their business or if they just provided the data that somebody else could harness into creating disinformation campaigns, which is shocker what happened. So the so this story, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think you you did a nice job of of getting into the details. I you know I put a link into the original New York Times story into the show notes. You know, encourage people to to read that for some of the the nitty gritty details here. But I mean, the the takeaway here is that Cambridge Analytica and the story around them is right in the intersection between two of the bigger stories of at least the last couple of years, which has been Facebook and data privacy concerns and the ongoing special counsel investigation between the Trump campaign and Russia. And, you know, I think people who have been plugged into the latter, the the name Cambridge Analytica should should be familiar because there's long been speculation that, well, or there's, there's a potential theory at least that Perhaps one of the methods that 
um, or one of the ways that the Russians were able to so strategically target uh, social media was through the assistance of a firm like Cambridge Analytica. Because, I mean, even for me, like, it was kind of striking hearing their methods and their goals and how similar they were to what it sounds like Russia was attempting to do. And then, of course, with the Facebook story, there's been a trend in the last handful of years, which has been reflected in, you know, changes in Facebook's API and data privacy policies, where there's there's been more awareness and more concern around the way that Facebook handles or doesn't handle, as it were, your data. And so again, this is Cambridge Analytica is like right at the center of both of those stories. And so, you know, we've we've hinted at before on the show, we've talked about rather kind of this idea that it just seems like so little news like sticks. To to me, this feels like a story that's going to stick and that we're going to continue to learn a lot more on both fronts, both on the way that Cambridge Analytica was connected to the Trump campaign and exactly what Cambridge Analytica did with Facebook's data. And at the time, sort of Facebook's kind of complicity towards it. I mean, Facebook was, at least from what we know now, not aware of what was ultimately going to be done with the data, but the way that the data was originally obtained was within Facebook's guidelines at the time. Well, but I think there was actually part of the story, which is that Facebook did understand, or like they did at least, maybe they didn't know how the data was going to be weaponized, but they found out that part of this alleged like academic research project was harvesting data on vastly more people than were actually connected to the study, and that there was an internal review of this. I mean, and, and this this also goes back to an, another kind of overlap between the the Facebook story and the Trump story, which is I think for a long time, Facebook's public stance was that, hey, listen, guys, we're we're a social media where people like share their cute photos. Like we we don't we're not we don't have the power or the ability to influence people in such a way where it could potentially like change their vote. Like Zuckerberg had that quote famously where he basically just dismissed the idea that Facebook could have had any um, impact on the result of the election. And, you know, I, this Cambridge Analytica piece of the story, I think relates to that in the sense that it it sure seems like Facebook's initial reaction once they did start to get more information about how the data was being used was to kind of want to sweep it under the rug or maybe even a slightly more charitable view would be they kind of just thought like this wasn't that big of a deal and that they didn't want to make it a bigger deal. So they then try to kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, but I think in large part because of Cambridge Analytica's connection to the ongoing special counsel investigation that that be, that kind of became an untenable position because i i personally think this isn't the last time we're going to hear about cambridge analytica and so you know facebook then of course didn't ultimately even like ban the organization from using um facebook until what like the night before this new york times story posted so clearly they they're in a a reactionary mode as opposed to a proactive mode, which is, which is not good. I'm struck by, or I, I don't know if you remember a couple months ago in, in September, 
when the Russia stuff was heating up and how Facebook ads were um, part of that campaign. Uh, I've pulled up here uh, on Thursday, on Thursday, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg outlined nine steps Facebook used to protect election integrity and make sure Facebook is a force for good in democracy. And that he quote, I care deeply about the democratic process and protecting its integrity. I don't want anybody to use our tools to undermine democracy. So this was six months ago, and none of this was voluntarily disclosed or actually acted upon until now. And at the um, urging or or prompted by investigative research by the times right and also i think it's kind of fucked up and weird that a private company gets to choose to be the ones who feel that they are going to be the ones that protect uh the integrity of of democratic institutions a little strange yeah um so yeah so you uh this was gonna be my next question and you kind of covered it but so like is this a story like because facebook has played fast and loose for almost a decade with privacy like so why 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 do you think it sticks this time well so i mean this is really going down the speculative route but like i so i then this is mostly related to the special counsel side of the story which is i'm 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 still somewhat skeptical that there's going to be actual hard evidence of collusion between the trump campaign and russia i don't i don't think there's going to be some recorded phone call or some email or some sort of smoking gun. However, I, I think if there was something, if, if there is tangible proof of collusion or coordination, it's going to come through a mechanism like Cambridge Analytica. Because uh, that, that seems to be where there's the most potential overlap. And I think if so, obviously, if if that ends up coming to fruition, then then Facebook's role in enabling that is going to be dramatically magnified. Um, but then even even if that were to not occur, I think another way where this story could continue to be something that people think about is I I really think that this is something that could drive a non-material amount of people from either completely deleting Facebook or at the very least using Facebook dramatically less. And that that has dramatic implications for the company. And that's, and this is a company that, you know, it's one of those rare companies that sort of cuts across all demographics and sort of all ways of life or most ways of life. And so if a company that, reaches so many people is that dramatically impacted there's just there's no there's kind of no avoiding that and i think people's interest in that is going to be high so that's the part that i'm skeptical about which is because i i think this feels kind of like even if ideal situations if you if some people think facebook is evil or they're the enemy of democracy or or whatever or 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 putting it like more benignly that they just don't care about user privacy do you think an actual like critical mass of people chooses to reduce time spent on the site or in their apps or actually delete it and delete their account? Like I, I just I other than people who are like politically minded or like care about like I think just like we have an entire generation of people that kind of don't care that think privacy kind of doesn't really exist. So like who mm, I don't know that this this 
but but this this like, like I, I hear like, I, hear, I, I like, well no and I agree I think like what you're saying like it feels different but I just I'm like I'm just thinking it out like does it so I know I I I totally see what you're saying I, I think it, I think it's a good point um but I think part of the story too is it goes beyond just data privacy. Like I guess I the part I really agree with you there is I do think there's an entire generation that is much less concerned about privacy, and so that alone I don't think is really the issue, or I mean it is an issue, but it's not the issue that's going to make this story stick. I I think it was the way in which this data was used that is different, and I, I think even people who maybe are a little more agnostic towards their privacy and specifically their privacy on the internet i do think that the way that this information was used is going to strike a nerve in a lot of those people like i think it's it's hard not to have an opinion on what was done with this data but you don't think a lot of people would view that this worked to their ideological ends and therefore it's fine no i, I don't hmm okay hmm Call me call me an optimist, but I no, I don't I don't I don't think the I don't think the country's that far gone. I don't I don't mean the cynic, but I like <laughs> because the the thing that comes up with this a lot is it again, don't ever read the, the comments, but there's been a lot of parallels brought up as the counterpoint. Well, didn't Obama do this too? And the immediate answer is absolutely not. Except the kind like Obama and and the Democratic campaigns in 2008 and 2012 were very focused on running like a data-driven campaign to try to find out who to mobilize and how to reach people in new ways. The difference here, which the people espousing that argument don't make the logical next step to intentionally, is that the purpose of this data mining was then to deliver and create misinformation campaigns. But I think there's a lot of people that think that, okay, this is just how politics is done. And that's kind of, it. it's an ends to a mean. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because I haven't read the comments. I, that's, that's not, that's not a take I've really seen. I actually, well, I think in actual legitimate news articles, there's, there's been actual, there've been fairly reputable places. And I'll try to dig up an article or two that have brought up to the point that where it's just uh, that Obama did, similar data gathering hmm. which 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 is which is nonsense well like the gathering is not nonsense but the ways in which it's obtained and the ways in which it's weaponized is is completely inaccurate right manipulating the electorate versus trying to engage and galvanize the public are very different things i think like you know i maybe last last point here which we we've touched on i think before this not to be too dramatic about it, but I, this really does feel sort of like the story of our time where this transition from social media being that place that you share cute dog photos of and that you reconnect with old friends and family to something that I think you're rightly using the phrase something to something that's become weaponized and to at least some degree seems to have had an impact to our latest presidential election it's a really freaking big deal and it's something that is certainly going to go down in the history books and it's something that we're going to be dealing with the ramifications of for a really long time very much agreed but my counterpoint to that would be is because of just like our 
our like vantage point, like our just the way we realize time and just scandal and norms based off of the past 14 months of this presidency like how does the story persist or how how does it like how does it continue to capture people's attention versus being like i i, I don't know Be- like because because this is something that like this is something like i'm gonna have to talk to my kids about someday where you're gonna have to have that conversation of hey listen when you're on the internet there's going to be purposeful misinformation and it's going to be important to be able to differentiate between legitimate news and i i I hate to even use this phrase because it's been so abused but fake news and 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 that's you know that's just not a that's not a conversation a couple of years ago i thought i would have had to have but you know that that's going to have to happen someday and that's that's true of any new person who comes online and joins these types of social networks. Well, but hasn't that been kind of like a persistent story throughout like the history of the United States? Like, is it isn't like remember like yellow journalism? There's so there's always like in every time period based off the media standards, there's always news that will appeal to and try to uh, shape the opinions of people who don't think critically. So yes, but the scope of social media is different. Well, so then before we wrap up on this, like, what do you think is the logical next step? Do you think, because I think the one thing that might work in favor of actually trying to correct and regulate this is the fact that, uh, one, the Democratic Party will completely support any type of regulation or continued inquiry into this. And also, I think a decent chunk of non-Trump loyalists will want to engage in this line of questioning. Like, what is the realistic regulation? that happens to an industry like because for the most part like google and other technology companies have other than like financial and like taxation type situations have been able to operate almost completely unregulated like the only meaningful thing i think is what is it copa what's the thing that makes uh people under 13 not be able to sign up for stuff that i I don't i don't know the name of it but i yeah i know what you're referring to yeah i think that's honestly in terms of like consumer protections i think that is like the only thing that actually applies to the internet well so i mean yeah i know i think i think that's that's part of what I find personally most troubling about this story is I have no idea what the solution is. I, I don't I don't think there's some magic piece of regulation that can be put in place that's gonna instantly solve this problem. And that's it it feels like somewhat of an unsolvable problem. And that that's why I think it's so scary. Probably true. Um and on that happy note. Well, no, actually, I think there's there's one minor point and there's one more other. There's one other thing. So with that, like, do you think this event forces Twitter's hand to be much more proactive in terms of fixing their own platform? I don't think Twitter's that smart of a company. No, one, there's nothing in their history that's that's proven that <laughs> that they're going to change. Uh, last question: Does this uh, scandal and clusterfuck af- affect your usage or your opinion of other Twitter, uh, other Facebook properties? Like, or do you feel conflicted of like, cause for me, and I think probably for you, um, Instagram is probably one of our favorite, uh, apps and social media things. So can you separate those two, especially since for the most part, like other than being advertised, the Dyson store, like Instagram, like they're, 
ad targeting is seems fairly benign. And I assume almost all the data is commingled with Facebook, but I, I, it feels like less, like you're not going to get like some like crazy uncle or something spreading fake news on Instagram. So does that change your view or potential usage of that platform? I've thought of this exact question today because yeah, I've, I, I really just, I don't use Facebook nearly as much as I used to. And I, I'm not some like, you know, pure soul here. I mean, I, I used the heck out of Facebook in college and in my early post-college years. Um, but, but lately for, for reasons not at all connected to what's happened the last 18 months, like I just, my use of Facebook has just naturally kind of declined, Mm -hmm. but Instagram is, is (laughs) my usage there has gone way, way up. Uh, thanks, thanks mostly to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And your, you know, your recommendation of, of great pups out there on the internet. But yeah, I, I conflicted is the right word. I, I totally am. And I, but I don't, I haven't yet really determined what that means. Yep. Okay. On to our usual T word fair. So Amazon or Apple, your choice. Uh, let's do Amazon. Okay. Uh, we had a, a mystery topic a couple weeks back that I never, uh, we never got to talk about because Amazon lost the package and <laughs> I found it and brought it to my house. Good. So, um, they did not deliver it to the wrong door and send me a picture of it to make me sad. <laughs> um, I never got an email back. There was, I just had to go awkwardly house to house to try to go find whose package it is and then knock on the door and say, Hey, I'm not stealing your mail. I, I don't remember if I talked about this online or even offline with you Mm -hmm. there was a um a package that got completely lost where they they sent me a notification saying they were just going to return it to the warehouse but it it never made it back to the warehouse and so i never got a refund to my credit card Mm -hmm. and i i somehow I, i don't know how but i i somehow ended up navigating to a support page which actually gave me a like a phone number to call uh huh i got through without hardly any hold time spoke to this really really nice customer service representative and within like 10 minutes had a refund so yeah their their support online doesn't seem to be the best but in my at least limited experience over the phone it's been really good yeah and i assume that should be, that's categorically a pretty easy issue to solve it's like oh it didn't get there <laughs> right. never really technically left our hands uh-huh okay um so yeah so i ended up buying uh an echo spot and, which is most people, uh, listeners would be uh, completely forgiven for not knowing what the heck that is because there's a, <laughs> lot, there's a lot of Echo things these days. That is the one that looks like a, a little uh, black orb that just sits on your desk or bedside table. Um, and I don't have a lot to say about it. It's fine. Like it's it's. I, I'm I I kind of want to buy another one. I don't I don't know what to do with this. And maybe you can help me parcel this out because basically it's an Echo Dot with a screen. Or as Amazon would describe it, a stylish, compact Echo with a screen. Sure. Stylish and compact. <laughs> I would describe the dot as that. <laughs> Sty- stylish, I'm sure, is the first word that comes to mind. It actually looks pretty cool. Does it? No, I, I would say, it yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't photograph very well. Um, Do I have a picture of it? You, you um, sent me one. And it, it actually, it did look a little better than Amazon's product photos, but... Yeah, so, like, it's... It's pretty all right. Like it's yeah. So it's it's an Echo Dot with a screen that's got a better speaker. Um, 
and a camera that I need to put tape over. Um, and yeah, so I think, I don't know, because I, I, we can talk about this either today or another time, but I have, I have an issue with alarm clocks where I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. Um, I like, do you use your phone as your alarm? Oh man, it, you're, you're getting into my, uh, my chef special this week. Okay. Hmm. I, I don't know how to answer that question without getting into my <laughs> chef special. <laughs> You don't understand the question. You refuse to answer it, <laughs> right? Uh huh. Plead the fifth. Um, I mean, we we can get we can mix things up, and I can I can just do my chef special now. No, it's fine. We'll move on. Okay. Can't break with tradition. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I I struggle with alarm clocks, and I'm I'm somebody who will set four alarms. Um, you know, the fake one, or sorry, the optimistic one, the fake one, the really <laughs> fake one, and the oh shit, you're late one. Right. And then I've also moved on to um, having putting my iPad on my dresser so that I have to get up to turn it off. Yeah. You know, this new cycle has broken me and that's what, and that's what I'm going to use as my excuse. Not that I'm a failure as a person. <laughs> so, so the echo dot is, or so the echo show, wait, what, which is what? The, no, it's not the show. The, 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 the stylish one. What's it called? The echo spot. Spot. Yeah. What is, um, what is, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Cause echo, well, it's kind of a portmanteau of echo show, uh, echo show and echo dot. So yeah. kind of, um, so it's kind of neat. Like the screen is super limited, but also critical in a couple of ways where, and the reason I want to get a second one, I think, cause I don't either, I'm going to move the one from the bedroom to the kitchen or I'm going to get a second one for the kitchen because so, uh, just, just before I forget to tell you this. Mm-hmm. So you know that if you if you buy two at the same time, you get forty bucks off. God damn it! Wait, well, I, mean, I could probably argue the case, or I could probably email them. Maybe. Yeah. Is that true? It's it's yeah, it's right on the the main product page here. Oh, the one that's probably showing me waffle makers. Yeah. <laughs> buy two and save forty dollars. Add two Echo Spots to cart and automatically receive forty dollars off your order. I once accidentally searched for the essential phone on Amazon, and it won't stop showing me that. <laughs> Um, and Lysol wipes. Okay, cool. Um, all, all, all of the, the must haves. And how does it not know I don't have a child? Anyway, come on people. Um, so yeah, so it, uh, I would move it for the kitchen. Cause yeah, when you set a timer on it, it actually shows you the timer, which that is pretty great. I know that seems like a really dumb reason to buy something, but that's, that's really good. And then also, um, I enjoy like it, it is actually a pretty good clock uh, with a good ambient light sensor, and it does show you when your alarm is scheduled. Even though I can, uh, it's it's very dumb in one particular way, and I know the story is all out, all over the place. But if I I've been having trouble going to sleep early, so if it's like let's say twelve ten a.m. and I say, "Hey, uh, lady in the sphere, can you can you wake me up at uh, seven ten tomorrow?" It will get mad and then say, I can only set a timer within the next 24 hours. When it's obvious what I want it to do. Mm. And then I will say, and then and this, this has happened like four times in a row, and it's really infuriating. And then I will say, okay, uh, set an alarm for 710. And then I'll say, in the morning or the evening? And, <sighs> I, <laughs> and here's the thing, it's, it's 12 o'clock at night, and I'm trying to speak quietly because I'm not trying to like wake up neighbors trying to set a fucking alarm clock. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's challenging. So f- a follow-up question here. Why can it not set time alarms more than 24 hours in advance? I have no idea. That, duh, that's, that's bizarre. And, it, and it's the same way across all Echo products. 
where I've just never I've never used the Echo as an alarm clock before, so therefore I guess I've never run into this limitation. But yeah, it's 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 super frustrating. Where I think I have sort of I think maybe today is the first time I actually got it right. Where I've said, uh, "Hey, whatever." Actually, you don't even have to say "Hey," but um, I've said that. Uh, wake me up at seven ten in the morning, and I have to be super careful to phrase it that way. And it feels like you shouldn't have to, but uh, for every day, I know a week and like every day of a week, uh, I apparently did not do it to its satisfaction, and that was really frustrating. Can you? Can you have like a uh, repeating alarm set? You can, but I don't wake up at the same time every day because sometimes right. I need to get more stuff done in the morning or I have to negotiate with myself thinking, oh yeah, I'm not going to sleep until one because, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you try to negotiate with yourself to give you more self, more time. Right. So yeah, so that's that's uh, frustrating. But other than that, no, like it, it, is, it seems like the Echo Dot should have a screen. Like, I think the Echo Show is kind of a weird product where I, I kind of like just, I don't ever see, or I don't ever see myself watching YouTube videos in the kitchen or something like that. And I've never watched a video on this thing either, even though it does have limited support for that. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I think it makes sense and it's not that badly priced um, at 130 So I think I might upgrade it just because the viewing the timers is really, really useful. And the the improved speaker is nice too. Yeah, I I I could see it, but I guess I've just never really had any situation personally where with either my Echo or my Echo Dot um, or Echo Dots. I mean, I've got one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen. Like, there's just really never been examples of where I wish they had a screen. For me, it's mainly not wanting to ask how much is left on a kitchen yeah, timer. Yeah, and that's and that's that's fair. Although I do appreciate every time I ask when a, when a kitchen timer is almost done. It's always under a minute, and I'm like, yeah, internal clock is working perfectly. <laughs> so um, so overall, I, I, I have until the 28th with it, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep it, and I might negotiate, or I might try to ask if I can still get the promotion. Um, the fact that it has a camera, don't love it, and I still yeah. keep forgetting to put tape over it, because I don't ever see... Because if you, if you have this on a bedside table or like at your desk, like wouldn't, like wouldn't you have to like crouch down to have a video conference with somebody? Yeah, the the fact that it has a camera it's not really ever made sense to me. On the on the show it it makes sense, but yeah, on this on this device, yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah. I really wish they made a premium one that had an OLED OLED screen. Yeah, how is how's the screen? So the screen is nice. And I'm going to say accept, but I don't actually think it's an accept type thing. But like at it has a really good ambient light sensor when like during the daytime it's nice and bright and it's great. And then at night, it it dims pretty aggressively, which is cool. But the screen, like, it stays on just a little bit. And it's not distracting when you sleep. But if it was, like, OLED and it was pure black and just the time, that would be extremely nice. Yeah. So it's 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 pretty cool. See, I, th- I think it's a, it's, it's a nice, uh, what, what does the wire cutter call it? Whenever they're like, this is the one step above our primary pick. Their upgrade pick? Yeah, this is my upgrade pick for for uh, a voice assistant. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's blow through some stuff. Okay, so apparently Echo devices are gaining a brief mode where instead of being chatty at the end of a request, if it's a simple thing, it'll just play a little chime instead, which is kind of kind of cool. Um. Also, the follow up mode thing, I turned it on on all my devices, and it's fine. 
like, I don't know, like uh, Marco on ATP made a good point where it kind of feels like a really hacky thing that to compensate for the fact that you can't say, turn on the kitchen lights and set a timer for 10 minutes. So, meh. Yeah, I, so the, the two things that I've really had on my list to test out, both for purposes of the show um, and just um, just for my personal interest, is this is the follow-up mode, um, the brief mode. And I haven't experimented with routines, which have been around for some number of months now, um, where you can set kind of like a series of commands that you do this through the app. And then you give a single voice command, and then all of those individual actions are taken. I haven't um, haven't really gotten to play around with that, and really want to give that a try. Yeah, you you should you should try the definitely the last one, and let me know how it goes. Yeah, is that like you say like uh, let's start the morning routine, and it turns on the lights and does a bunch of stuff? I, that's my understanding. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, let us know. Um, and then the one interesting Amazon story I think this week was uh, that you linked to was uh, Amazon Prime Video is apparently driving actual Prime subscriptions. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's um it's kind of it, it connects with what we've been talking a lot about mostly in the context of Apple, where we've been kind of curious as to why Apple feels like they want to get into the video business. And it, I feel like this isn't an angle that we've really gotten much into, which is kind of the um i guess you like you would call it the halo effect of mm-hmm. services like this where the you know the end goal isn't necessarily to get people just to watch your video service but it's to bring people into your larger ecosystem and at least with with amazon I mean, who knows how this will work with apple but at least with amazon that seems to be an incredibly effective tool and you know as someone who doesn't really use prime video a lot like that point's never really resonated with me but this this kind of hard data uh, backs up that idea in a big way and i think is is pretty interesting yeah and i think the most interesting part of this for me was that apparently amazon and the way they determine the reason you signed up is which tv show you watch first which is a really interesting way to determine that yeah <laughs> apparently whatever tv show uh good girls revolt apparently has the least amount of signups even though it's really <laughs> well watched which i think is super interesting just because, like, if I, like, I mean, let's say everybody signs up for HBO now and they choose to watch Game of Thrones first, but then they watch, like, last week tonight second, but they consistently watch that show. Like, I don't know, that seems like a, a kind of a a flaw. Maybe it's a really effective metric, but it could also be a very flawed metric. Yeah. Anyway, pretty interesting. And it is good to get some, because, again, these are all um, leaked, rumored numbers that have not been verified by Amazon. But, um interesting to see how prime which i would have thought is probably like the third place like streaming content creator how well watched their programs are yeah the, again yeah as someone who doesn't personally use prime video or really know of anybody who does um yeah i i also find that to be really interesting uh, and then Amazon uh, is potentially, but probably not, buying some Toys R Us locations because Toys R Us is shutting down uh, everywhere, which is a shame. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I have I have no idea really what what would be involved with Amazon trying to do that because the, the story behind Toys R Us is complicated and sad and messy, but um, kind of interesting, kind of an interesting what if. Like, I, I could... 
yeah, again, like it, there's a, probably a lot of legal and financial barriers that would have had to be overcome, but um, it's kind of, it's an interesting idea on paper, I think. Yeah. The only reason I included this, because I wanted to make the joke that I couldn't figure out how to make the backwards R in OS X. <laughs> um, their, their mascot is uh, Jeffrey the Giraffe, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe he can get some work for an NBA team. Maybe. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, quick rundown with Apple stuff or uh, skip it? Uh, yeah, let, let's do the Apple stuff. And then unless there's anything else super topical, maybe that'll be the way we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, Apple is buying Texture, which is commonly described as Netflix for magazines, where you pay a single subscription price and get access to about 200 uh, traditionally print magazines. Um kind of interesting or i mean it, it's it's yeah it's it you're not really sure what they're going to do with that because if people remember uh apple in what's it, ios 6 they introduced newsstand where they tried their initial push for getting um magazines onto digital devices especially in the well, actually no it came out when was newsstand at the same time as that ipad only uh also called the daily uh magazine <laughs> i had forgotten about that yeah was that before or after the um i don't remember i mean the, the the apple's apple's magazine and book strategy on the ipad has been such a mess from day one that well I, every I every know. apple's everything is a mess from day one <laughs> well i mean i i don't mean that to be that negative but i kind of do which is like the feature of tv is apps they still kind of don't give a shit about that newsstand hasn't taken off Jason still has joked about this a lot. Remember when they were like, "Oh yeah, we're disrupting textbooks." Well, yeah, and they and they had that special event, which connects to maybe another event that's coming up. But we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's interesting. I do like. I I think like uh, electronic magazines. Like, I think that's totally a thing. And I think Apple maybe this might be a because like a newsstand failed. And then they tried this Apple News app, which I don't know how successful it's been. Like, I, I turned off the alerts immediately, and I, I don't care for it. But, I mean, like, some people might. Where, like, there's, they, they want to be involved in providing news content and digital magazines and stuff. And I'm sure they feel that they can skim 15 to 30% off the top. So, if maybe there's an Apple Apple News subscription service to go alongside Apple Music and apple's upcoming video service like if if they if they see themselves as a service company and they just need to extract more money from users this is i mean this is a valid way to do it so it, it's interesting it is all right uh <clears throat> mark german has a scoop in bloomberg where he is saying that they are going to be taking or at least trying to take uh display production in-house and that will probably uh, first man itself, manifest itself in a screen for the Apple Watch, which seems like the most logical place to do it. It does, yeah. That's this is one of those stories where we're not really going to see the the result of it. I don't think for some time, but um, something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently Apple R and D spending is uh, way way up. Uh, it is. <laughs> I mean, and and you and you would expect it to be like okay? kind of a um. And I mean, an interesting story, but like, yeah, you you would expect Apple to be heavily developing. Uh, they they that they totally should be. They have 
not infinite resources, but about as close to infinite resources as, as any company out there. So they they should be thinking about that next big thing, as you as you would say. Yeah. Like I'm I'm I am like I'm really heartened by this. Like I'm I'm so happy they're spending this much money at reviving the Mac and nothing else. And that's exactly what they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um and actually so I I did not um put this in the notes of a bit of a Freudian slip perhaps, but um I guess the the big Apple news of the week is their education event next week. Oh yeah. Um. So I the, you know the the I'll I'll keep this brief on air because I think this went on for some time off air. But <laughs> uh, I yeah I, <laughs> th- I I'm gonna put my Nate Silver hat on here for a minute. The tell me about that... your bona fides. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about my priors. Um. The the way the media has been covering this event has just been infuriating because it's been it's been covered as if this is a WWDC keynote or an iPhone launch event, which has traditionally been happening in the fall of each year. That is not what this event is going to be. This is going to be I mean, it, it literally says it right there on the invitation. This is an education focused event where um and, and we've we've seen this in some of the <clears throat> ios 11.3 betas where there's this kind of like classroom kit which is being developed i think this event is going to be almost exclusively about that and like people's spec expectations and speculation around this being the time that they think apple's going to release like the air power mat or like potentially some surprise new like Mac hardware, like new versions of the AirPods. Like I think all of that is completely ridiculous and is sort of just like blind enthusiasm towards Apple, which is just, it's just not, it's just not good coverage. It's not, it's not responsible coverage. Um, and I think, and I think there's a, there's a lot of evidence to, to back this up where i mean there i can't even tell you the last time there's been like a legitimately surprising apple hardware announcement like outside of just like a minor spec bump or a price drop and that's if we see any kind of hardware that's all it's going to be here it's going to be they've taken the base level ipad and dropped off dropped 50 bucks off the price or they've slightly you know they've given that entry level ipad like a, a speed bump um same with maybe something like the macbook air there'll be like a price drop or like a minor um rev of that hardware but like the idea that apple's going to use this event for anything consumer facing is is stupid that's just not going to happen it, it would have leaked out by now like again the fact that this event really kind of was a surprise i think is another big piece of evidence that this is going to be all kind of software driven and services driven i.e all the stuff that apple doesn't have to put out there in the supply chain and have manufactured where that's where i think a lot of these kind of leaks come from and again like i the thing that really irks me is i think that people are dismissing a lot of that evidence and instead just being enthusiastic about the event just because it's apple i find your use of the phrase responsible reporting in this day and age very funny um (laughs) I think you're kind of right, but I also think you're kind of wrong. Uh, who who's reporting 
about this this way. I, th- I think it's mainly the T word circles and it's, it's the insular. Well, that's, that's who, that's who I'm talking about. Eh, but that does, that, that doesn't make it out there. But these are the very same people that should know that this is not going to be that type of event. Like these are the types of people that should know that all new Apple hardware leaks that we haven't had a big surprise in years and years. And that when Apple, like, I mean, we, then there's been an example of this way. We made reference to it earlier, like that textbook event that they had in New York a handful of years ago. Like this, this is going to be that event, but for education, like I Apple's don't think done so. this before. Mm. So I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I, I think you're appropriately skeptical in a lot of ways, but, and I, and I think some of the, the coverage has been kind of a little weird, but I don't think anybody's really suggesting that there's going to be some new iPhone. Or they're like, you know, they're like, yeah, we're discontinuing the iPhone 10. We're done with it. No, but there's been, but there's, but there's been a ton of speculation about this being where the air power mat drops or like new AirPods drop. Like, I think there's a legitimate chance that happens. There is a 0% chance that happens. 0%. How much do you want to bet? I don't know. What should, what should, what should we bet? Well, I've already told you I'd watch the fucking Harry Potter. Okay. So like, so like, what's my, like, what's my equivalent? Ooh. What can I force you to watch? Mm. I don't know. It would be something really boring. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll get I'll get back to you. Um, oh, you know, an- another little tea leaf thing I, I forgot to leave out too. Isn't Apple not live streaming this event? I think it's uh, that this is that is still up for debate, or 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 I think it's it's unknown. I think I think with at least recently all previous events that they have live stream that's been announced either at the time the invitations have been sent out or like well in advance of the event and we're like we're less than a week out now and that that still hasn't been made known well but the event was announced like three days ago well no it's been longer than that it's been it was last thursday okay the 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 event was announced a week and a half out yeah okay and I, I I I appreciate the skepticism, and and, and as somebody who's who's not jazzed about Apple, but like, it's it's probably an education focused event, but generally Apple does have some type of March event. So I think realistically there is going to be some level of announcement that is not merely just software technologies that apply strictly to education. That could be refreshed iPads or some adjustments to either price or specs on some Mac hardware. It could be an event they used to just shove out the air power mat. Again, I, I understand your skepticism with that specifically, but like, I don't think they're just going to talk about iBooks author and like iTunes U and like some super insanely specific education stuff. I think it'll be focused on that, and Apple will talk about their commitments to being at the corner of liberal arts and technology, and that they they love students and they're empowering the next generation of uh, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But like. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. Not a lot more, but a little more. I I I I do not. And I, again, to be to be clear, like I I do think there's the possibility of like an either a new entry level iPad or a price drop on the existing entry level iPad, same with something like the the MacBook or the MacBook Air. I'm not saying there's not going to be any new hardware or any new pricing on that hardware, but I'm saying that the idea that there's going to be anything consumer kind of focused well that's what consumers buy but but it's but it's going to have an education angle to it it's it's going to be it's going to be the products that are angled like at education or maybe even have like education specific pricing 
Uh, just the, the, the expectation that something like the air power mat's going to be released is it's stupid, I think. And it's, it's just like the, the people covering it in that way should know better that, that, that's that this, that Apple's not going to use this type of event for something like that. I have never hoped for any product to be released more than I am right now. <laughs> and I think, I mean, and this is like, I think this gets at a couple of things. I mean, it, it gets at what a lot of people dislike about Apple, which is that there's kind of just this blind enthusiasm where people just love everything they do and trip over themselves to, to praise it and be interested in it. And it's, it's basically just giving Apple a bunch of free publicity and media for an event that people are walking into with completely wrong expectations. And there's going to be a ton of attention paid to something that if it were that if it were covered in a more level-headed way, it wouldn't have gotten. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 frustrating. There are much bigger problems in the world currently, but within our little T circle, T word circle here, this is this is a very this is a very upsetting thing for me. Still thinking about the Williams Sonoma electric section. I am. Yeah, I want that. I want that uh, automatic culture maker. Oh, oh, I, I, I want yeah, I want seven hundred fifty dollar decanter. Yeah, well, it's on, it was on sale for five hundred. Oh yeah, you'd be, you'd be, they're paying you to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Practically losing money. Yes. Um. All right. Let's. We have well, a lot of stuff. We'll, I, we'll push. When I uh, when I see that um, when we open presents sometime after uh, my wedding day, and I and I receive that, I'll know who it's from. <laughs> yeah, it'll be from. It'll be Mark Zuckerberg's apology gift to you. <laughs> um, yeah. Last thing before Chef Special. Uh, apparently, there's a new Dyson store in San Francisco, and that's amazing. Yeah, I, I was I was going to make a joke to you offline about how, well, if it's not on Union Street or, or Hate Street... It, I was going to make the same it, one, too. Or yeah. Hayes Street, it, it's got no chance. But then it, it occurred to me that, no, Dyson's actually... They've had a real a re- brand. They, they've had a retail presence for a long time, so... <sighs> Vacuuming is so pleasant. That's a beautiful store. Yeah, I have a, I have a Dyson. Um, it's it's nice. Yeah, it's the only kind of thing. It's like it's like the urban equivalent of a Zen garden. <laughs> wait, ooh, is this wait is is this right across the street from the Apple Store? It's somewhere down in Union Square. So yeah, it's got to be got to be somewhere right there. Ooh, all right, that's interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, and right in a diagonal from the Nike store. This this is happening. This is a happening place. Next next Tuesday, you can go pick up your your air power mat and a new vacuum. Gosh darn right, I will. <laughs> I'll teach some kids to code. I'll do whatever I, whatever it takes. Right. Um. All right, Chef Special. This is running long. Okay. Um. So I made reference earlier that mine was related to the alarm clock discussion. Um. And that is so I. It's it's funny that you bring up the Echo spot because last december when it first came out i i had been been unhappy with my uh, bedside bedside alarm clock for a long time and knew i wanted to replace it and i thought about replacing it with an echo show but i had been doing doing some traveling uh last year more so than what i had done in the past and when traveling i had been using the apple watch night mode um for my both bedside clock and alarm and and really liked it. Just like found that the way that the screen automatically turns on and off is really effective. It is an OLED screen, like you were alluding to. You you wishing that the show screen was uh, the alarm. The default alarm sound is very pleasant. 
Um, there's lots of alarm options where you can set alarms for specific days of the week. Uh, you can set them to, to snooze or not be able to snooze. Um, so I, I ultimately decided not to get the show and instead I got that, um, that doc that I had um, recommended uh, on a previous chef special, which the name of is, is failing me now, but it's like that combo iPhone Apple watch dock that I bought where it, it has a lightning port up on top for the iPhone and um, a charger for the Apple watch, which keeps it in a horizontal mode. So that, so that um, night mode works. Was it the elevation dock or no? Um, now, yeah, that that might be right. It's the um, I should try to find this um, um, elev- elevation elevation stand maybe. Uh, yeah, no, that, that that's but, but, yeah. I'll, I'll when you give your chef special, I'll I'll try to look this up. But um, it's it's called night mode, right? Yeah, I've got the name the name right there for the Apple Watch feature. Yeah, nightstand mode. Nightstand mode. Thank you. Um, so again, so again, I, I decided not to get the show, decided to get that dock instead and just use nightstand mode for, um, for my Apple watch. And because of all the reasons I listed earlier, and because it now gives me a consistent alarm and a consistent bedside, uh, clock, no matter whether I'm home or traveling or wherever, um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. I think it's a really underrated feature of the Apple Watch. And I, I've been really happy for the last few months using that as my exclusive uh, bedside clock and alarm. Good. Cool. Hmm. And I'm, I'm sorry. So what is it loud enough for you using it for that function? It is totally. Yeah. Very, very pleasant sound. It kind of starts quiet and gets louder. Um, no, it, it's, it's great. Cool. Um, and then for mine, yeah, I don't really have a good one this week. Uh, there is one app that I, I, so I'm going to say I basically don't have one, but there is one app that I'm going to throw out there that I am kind of liking these days that I am kind of, um, cause I've had an issue where, with, um, uh, separating tasks that should be done with tasks that have to be done inside OmniFocus. So there's an app on iOS called Tick Tick that um it's it's basic and kind of advanced at the same time and i'm trying to use it for the things that aren't imp- that don't really meet the um importance threshold for omnifocus and it does um natural language support like kind of like fantastical where i can write uh take out the recycling at 8 p.m. and it'll automatically parse out and remove that from the actual task section which is one thing that I kind of don't love about OmniFocus, which is that actually setting um, a specific uh, due date for something that has an actual like time of day for it is less elegant than it should be. So I'm liking that about this app. But ov- overall, it seems to be a fairly interesting to-do app that people might want to give a try to. But I would discourage anybody from giving it a try if they think that's gonna, if they're going to spend more time playing with it than getting stuff done. Which is maybe what I'm doing, because that's so much easier. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I really want OmniFocus three to come out, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that too. I, I need something that allows me to kind of say stuff is due today that doesn't have a due date on it. Yes, yes. I sent you the the troubling picture of my like 18 to do oh, list item. I, I can't can't even. 
it, that is what BuzzFeed has been talking about forever. It's 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 to do list. Ah, <laughs> oh, the definition of can't even. All right. Um, some last some last minute real time follow up. That that stand that I got is the Twelve South High Rise Duet. Oh yeah, they make good stuff. Yeah, it's 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 really nice. But the the phones at about the right height where it's it's easily accessible, um, and still allows me to kind of lean over and and have Face ID semi work. Um, and then um, again with with the Apple Watch being in that night mode orientation. Um, yeah, it's it's real good. It's exp- it's ex- it's expensive though. So like when I bought it, it 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 literally was like. I'm either doing this or I'm doing the um, Echo Show because the the price difference is only about twenty bucks between the two. So, yeah, yeah. Part of what kills the Echo Show is that the Amazon uh, or the companion app for the Echo products on iOS is just so bad. I think that's that's probably been part of the reason I haven't played around with uh, that um, routines feature because you because you have to set that all up through the app. Yeah. And yeah, it's not very good. 